Hello, dear listener, James here. I just want to preface this episode with saying, well, Poe Buddy's nerfed. As much as I would love for every episode of this show to be, you know, at least on the on the more good side of decent, I'm not so sure about this episode. Uh, I mean, I feel like I feel like it wound up twice as long as I wanted it to, and I said about half as much as I intended to, but. I, I guess I could I could have potentially edited this in some way to maybe uh, make myself feel better about this episode's quality, but frankly, I don't have enough time to do that, nor do I have the incentive to, to lose sleep to make the time. But regardless, here's the episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> This is a show, um, technically it's a podcast, with no particular niche, baby, it's mostly about hanging out, Ha-cha-cha-cha. maybe we'll laugh at some stuff, maybe we'll learn something new, but it's mostly about hanging out, me and you. Hello, and welcome to That Thing with James, a podcast about nothing in particular. I'm your host, James, and... If I'm the host, does that make you the parasite? Bum, bum, bum. Wait, let's fix the key there. Bum, bum, bum. Well, let's take a quick test. Two questions. Don't answer them just yet. Just keep your answers in mind. Don't say them out loud. First question, is your name Howard Schultz? Second question, have you ever been the chief executive officer of a corporation called Starbucks? If you answered yes to both of those questions, and it would need to be yes to both, then yes, you are not not a parasite. Maybe I'll talk a little bit more about mm, that little niche in the bonus episode because that kind of relates to last uh, the last bonus episode I did. And if you didn't know, some quick business before we get into today's stuff. I actually have an idea of something to talk about today. Uh, if you did not know, Every time I release one of these free podcast episodes, so too do I release a premium bonus episode, which you can access at patreon.com slash that thing with James, which means if you want bonus episodes, become a patron at patreon.com slash that thing with James. And to those of you who are already patrons, I thank you from the bottom of my heart, from my root chakra, from my everything, you rock and I appreciate it a lot. And I'm not just doing bonus episodes on there now. I'm also adding in bonus behind-the-scenes content for my other ongoing entertainment endeavor entitled, the one entitled Minor Tensions by Dick Whistler, which 
for if you're solely a listener and you've never heard of this before, it's you can find it on my YouTube channel. It's on my Instagram. It's on uh, TikTok, which it's still around for now. We'll see how things pan out because that's kind of what I'm going to be talking about today. Um, so yeah. You can find that stuff, once again, patreon.com slash that thing with James. You'll get bonus episodes, bonus content from my other comedy shorts series, as well as, uh, you know, depending on what tier you subscribe to, other little perks that I've added in. Um, and uh, yes, if you're not already, if you don't already know, this show's on YouTube. This this show, this podcast is on YouTube with a whole video component. You can see my mouth moving, saying these words that you're hearing. Um, and the channel is called That Thing with James. Easy as that. Or you can like type in the search bar at TTWJ and it'll pop up or just search That Thing with James and it'll pop up. Uh, and then real quick... Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My handle on both of those is at James J. Asher. You can find me on TikTok. My handle there is at TTWJ Productions. You can find me on Reddit at r slash that thing with James. And you can email me at my show slash business email, that thing with James at gmail.com. Send me nice things. Um, and, and all of that information that I just rattled off is written down in this episode's description so you don't have to run back and try to slow it down to half speed so 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 this show if you're new as i mentioned in the song it's about nothing or well, after the song it's about nothing in particular it's just a hangout it's just something you can put on in the background to keep yourself company because that's what i like to do i've been uh, this past week, I've been re-watching one of my favorite shows. I've re-watched it several times called The IT Crowd. I love that show. If you haven't heard of it, well, check it out. It's on, actually, by the time this episode comes out. No, 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 it'll still be on. It's uh, it's on Netflix, if you have Netflix. The IT Crowd, it's on until like April 25th. I think, and then they're taking it off of there, which is bizarre because that show has been on there for several years uh, without leaving it, as far as I know. But uh, if you don't want to watch that, you can put on this show, That Thing With with Me. It's here to keep you company. So I mentioned I was going to talk about TikTok stuff. Um, this, I, I, I don't want this to be a politics show, but this has just been something that's been on my mind lately, and it's pissing me off, and I am by no means any kind of political expert or anything, but I do know some stuff. I know some stuff. I've learned some things. I've studied stuff, um, and, and not like it's some whack-ass, you know, right-wing, you know, fucking Donald Trump website or any whatever the fuck those websites are called. Um... What I'm getting at is I want to talk about the printing press. Today, I want to talk about the printing press. Um, and I need to drink some water before I get into this because I feel like I'm going to need it. Just a second. Uh, 
That was refreshing. So I, I, I got to say, I'm a little bit nervous because I haven't done an episode like this in a while. Um, and I'm just jumping right in here real quick. This is sort of a culmination of things I've known about for quite some time. I knew that the printing press really helped create um, changes in the world. It was a, uh, you know, uh, dare I say it, dare I say the word, one of my professors hated this word for some reason, it was a paradigm shift, paradigm shifting invention, the printing press. So let's let's start here, okay? And this isn't going to be some PBS kind of thing, okay? Just, just go with me here. I don't have an outline. The printing press, according to Wikipedia, is a mechanical device for applying pressure to an inked surface resting upon uh, a print medium, such as paper or cloth, thereby transferring the ink. Uh, the it marked a dry, dramatic a dramatic improvement on earlier printing methods in which the cloth paper or other medium was brushed or rubbed repeatedly to achieve the transfer of ink and accelerated the process typically used for texts the invention and global spread of the printing press was one of the most influential events in the second millennium in uh, Germany, around 1440, goldsmith Johannes, is it Johann or Johannes Gutenberg invented the movable type printing press, which started the printing revolution. So the Gutenberg machine, uh, the printing press. There's also that uh, online repository of, I think, um, creative commons or, or like post- uh, Gutenberg.com, something like that, is where you can find uh, a lot of stuff that is no longer under copyright, where copyright has run out, whatever the term may be. So let, let's let's scroll down here because there was another another thing I wanted to see here. Gutenberg's press. Here we go. The printing revolution occurred when the spread of the printing press facilitated the wide circulation of information and ideas, acting as an agent of change through the societies that it reached. The need for Bibles and other religious literature, especially in the New World, was one of the principal factors that brought printing into the common world. Printing presses also played a major role Here's, here's what I'm getting to, played a major role in rallying support and opposition during the American and French revolutions through newspapers, pamphlets, and bulletins. The advent of the printing press brought with it issues involving censorship and freedom of the press. So, revolutions had happened before the printing press that is part of human history is revolution okay the printing press uh, let's say technology helps let's say expedite speed up uh the occurrence of what terence mckenna 
if the, I'm not going to get into it. That's a big fucking topic. But it, it sped up the uh, occurrence of what Terrence McKenna would call novelty or novel events. Now, what a novel event means in this guy, Terrence McKenna, he's a very, very, uh, let's say loquacious. That would be a very kind word. He's not alive anymore, but he was a very loquacious person, a little bit uh, controversial, but he was really big into psychedelics, but uh, delving into philosophy, that kind of thing. It's an interesting, sort of a fringe character. Uh, if you are familiar with sort of psychedelic culture and psychedelic history, uh, then you probably have heard of him or already fucking know everything about him, okay? So what McKenna said, novel events are basically new things because novel is sort of new, never seen before or never seen before in this particular form. Because while there is nothing particularly new under the sun, something old may rise up in a new way, just changed just a little bit, changed in some small novel way. And a novel ev event may be a revolution or a new idea or a new discovery or a new invention. And while it may not change everything uh, like a huge wash dramatic event that just snaps into place for all the consciousness around the world, it does uh, create a catalyst for what becomes change, the changes in the way humans think and perceive and act and behave and feel, right? So the Gutenberg printing press Oh, God, excuse me. The Gutenberg printing press was a very novel invention. It was one of the, I would say, key catalysts that started the motor of the uh, metaphorical vehicle that brought humanity, humanity to where it is right now today because it made it easier to spread ideas to more people. So new ideas and more voices were spreading out at a more rapid pace to an ever-growing audience very quickly, far more quickly than it ever had before. Because you can, you know, print your ideas and disseminate them more quickly. Okay? And so those things were, you know, as the Wikipedia thing mentioned, those were, that was a key technology for spreading propaganda and uh, manifestos that were sort of the uh, the thought, the 
perhaps individual and then growing collective thoughts and ways of thinking uh, that brought about revolutions like the American Revolution, the French Revolution, and revolutions beyond there brought about the Bolshevik Revolution, the uh, the idea of uh, anarchist, socialist, and uh, communist um, activities that were happening all across Europe over the late 1800s through until today, right now. It's still going on. Um. And then let me gather my thoughts real quick. Just a second. <laughs> this is not a perfect show. Like I said, this is not a history podcast. This is not a politics podcast. This is just something that's been on my mind. I'm getting it out. I don't know if it's interesting to you at all, but I'm working toward this idea uh, about a particular current event that's going on right now. So let me let me step away and walk around for a minute and gather my thoughts and I'll be right back. And I'm back. I completely forgot I had these other tabs open that were supposed to help guide me so I don't get lost in the sauce. All right, here we go. Uh, so let's hop over to history.com right now, the printing press renaissance, uh, seven ways the printing press changed the world by David Roos, R-O-O-S. I've never heard that last name before. I kind of like it, Roos. Um, September 3rd, 2019, originally came out August 28th, 2019. Knowledge is power, as the saying goes, and the invention of the mechanical moving type printing press helped disseminate knowledge wider and faster than ever before. Shit, I should have just read this article to begin with. <laughs> okay. Um, German goldsmith Johannes Gutenberg credited printing press 1436. Uh, woodblock printing in China dates back to the 9th century, and Korean bookmakers were printing with movable metal type a century before Gutenberg. Oh, uh, well, how about that? Fucking Asia was ahead of Europe anyway, but we don't get to hear about that so often here, do we? Uh, Asian panic is an has been for so fucking long part of um, Eurocentric-based culture and hegemonic thinking. Okay, uh, number one, Global News Network was launched. Uh, Gutenberg didn't live to see the immense impact of his invention, but uh, his greatest accomplishment was the first print run of the Bible in Latin, which took three years to print around 200 copies, a miraculously speedy achievement in the day of hand, copy hand copied manuscripts. Wow. So it took three years to make 200 Bibles. And that was really fucking fast for back then. Interesting. Uh, number two, the Renaissance kicked into high gear. The Italian Renaissance began nearly a century before Gutenberg inventing invented his printing press when 14th century political leaders in Italian city-states like Rome and Florence set out to revive yada 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 
Okay, skipping ahead. Number three, Martin Luther becomes the first best-selling author. There's a famous quote attributed to German religious reformer Martin Luther that sums up the role of the printing press in the Protestant Reformation. Quote, printing is the ultimate gift of God and the greatest one. Unquote. Interesting. Uh, number four, printing press, uh, scientific revolution, so many different things here. Um, number five, fringes get a platform. Uh, quote, when a new information technology comes along, and this includes the printing press, among the very first groups to be loud in it are the people who were silent in the earlier system, which means radical voices, unquote, says Palmer. Uh, it takes effort to adopt a new information technology, whether it's the ham radio and internet bulletin board or Instagram. The people most willing to take risks and make the effort to be early adopters are those who had no voice before that technology existed, well, such as like the Protestant Reformation and everything. Um, and then I, I want to hop over to this other thing, this, um, article on this middle Tennessee state university website, and it's the printing ordinance of 1643 by Kevin R. Davis in 1643 ordinance for correct quote ordinance for correcting and regulating abuses of the press unquote completed Parliament's takeover of licensing of printers in Britain. It was one of a series of such controls Parliament would continue to exert over the press until 1695. The framers of the U.S. Constitution were quite familiar with critiques of press licensing controls, which they addressed by protecting <laughs> freedom of the press in the First Amendment. Oh, another hint to what I'm getting toward in this whole spiel in this episode. British printing regulations became a weapon against Puritan political leaders. The Crown had regulated printing primarily by means of Star Chamber decrees since it was introduced to England in 1476. An essential aspect of the Crown's regulatory scheme involved a licensing process. Like laws against heresy, libel, and treason, the general requirement of licensing for printers had been a way in which the crown silenced religious and political dissent. dissent. Not dissent, we're not talking about prolapsed butts. Religious and political dissent. We're, getting, we're being serious here, okay. Printers were licensed through the Printers Guild, the London Stationers Company, which was chartered in 1557 and given authority to conduct searches and seizures, confiscate unlicensed works, and promulgate its own regulations. In exchange for protecting the Crown's censorship interests, the Guild received the exclusive copyright to the printed works. The enforcement of printing laws was erratic, 
and the regulations became a weapon for the crown to use against Puritan religious and political leaders during 16th and early 17th centuries. However, Parliament abolished the, the Star Cham- Court of the Star Chamber in 1641, which left England printing briefly unregulated. Okay, Parliament, uh, this is almost done. Okay, Parliament allowed Stationers Company to arrest publishers, quote-unquote, scandalous pamphlets. Even as it was abolishing the Crown's control of printers, Parliament Parliament began taking steps with urging from the Printers Guild to institute controls of its own. Orders issued from Parliament to the stationers in July of 1641 and again in January 1642 required the stationers to record the name of any person bringing material to be printed. Another order issued from the House of Commons in March 1643 directed the stationers to seize quote-unquote scandalous and lying pamphlets to ar- and to arrest those responsible. These measures foreshadowed the printing ordinance enacted in June 1643. Its stated purpose was to end the, quote, great defamation of religion and government, unquote, resulting from unconstrained printers. 1643, printing ordinance created censorship system. The effect of the 1643 ordinance was to establish a pre-publication censorship regime. The ordinance prohibited the printing, binding, or sale of books except by persons licensed under authority of Parliament and made the stationers the agent of Parliament for the purpose of licensing printers. Anonymous publications were banned, as were the reprinting or or importation of previously printed works. The ordinance authorized the stationers to conduct searches and seizures of unlicensed publications, destroy unlicensing or unlicensed printing machinery, and to arrest those suspected of printing without a license. The ordinance drew criticism famously from John Milton, whose 1644 pamphlet, uh, I don't know, um, there was censorship. Censorship is nothing new. Um, Let me gather my thoughts here for another second. So in the news, we have Florida banning books. And this is a new one. Um, I'm reading this on Vice Motherboard. March 30th by Claire Woodcock, Missouri reps just voted to completely defund the state's public library. The new budget sets funds for libraries to zero dollars. Library groups say the move is retaliation for suing the state over its recent book ban law. Late Tuesday night, the Missouri House of Representatives voted for a state operating budget with a $0 line for public libraries. While the budget still needs to work its way through the Senate and the governor's office, uh, state funding for public libraries is very much on the chopping block for Missouri. 
right now. This comes after Republican House Budget Chairman Cody Smith proposed a $4.5 million cut to public libraries' state aid last week in the initial House Budget Committee hearing, where Smith cited a lawsuit filed against Missouri by the ACLU as the reason for the cut. Okay, so he's throwing a tantrum. And also, $4.5 million. I have a feeling states make a lot more money than that. So libraries are already super underfunded. Schools, public schools are already super underfunded right now, okay? ACLU filed the suit on behalf of the Missouri Association of School Librarians and the Missouri Library Association in an effort to overturn a state law passed in 2022 that bans sexually explicit materials from schools, which I'm sure is very similar probably to the Florida thing. They're framing stuff as being, you know, sexual and explicit and everything when it's simply a cover for voices they don't like, things that make them feel icky, things they don't agree with for any various fucking reason. Um, uh, since it was first enacted in August, librarians and other educators have faced misdemeanor charges pub- punishable by up to a year in jail or a $2,000 fine for giving students access to books the state has deemed as sexually explicit. The Missouri law defined explicit sexual material as images, quote, showing human masturbation, deviate, uh, deviate sexual intercourse, uh, sexual intercourse, direct physical stimulation of genitals, sadomasochistic abuse, unquote, or showing human genitals. The lawsuit claims that school districts have been pulling books from their shelves. Quote, the House Budget Committee's choice to retaliate against two private volunteer-led organizations by punishing the patrons of Missouri's public libraries is abhorrent. Uh, Tom Bastian, Deputy Director for Communications of ACLU, said in a statement to Motherboard, Like in all ACLU cases, the organization is not charging the two Missouri library groups for services. Both library organizations are also run by volunteers. Every state has an equivalent of these two organizations that serve public and school libraries. In other words, a a politician either lied or didn't have his facts straight, and now 160 library districts risk losing state aid in June. Um, Skipping ahead a little bit, libraries have become a recurring battleground in the latest culture wars as conservative groups across the U.S. seek to remove books they consider objectionable. In other states where obscenity bills became laws last year, including Oklahoma and Tennessee, it's becoming easier for one adult to challenge books with LGBTQ and diversity representation. Last week, the American Library Association released data showing that in 2022, the amount of book challenges issued nearly doubled, and 32% of all book challenges included multiple titles. Every library institute has tracked more than two dozen new obscenity bills introduced this year alone. As of March, 23 
2023. There's book banning going on, and it's it's fascist. It's fascist. There is a growing fucking fight against thought that's happening right now. And one of the things that I've been hinting at is uh, the TikTok ban. Yeah, I'm talking about that. Uh, There's this bill. It hasn't even been introduced to the House yet, but it's been the talk. Especially if you use TikTok, you've most likely heard about the Restrict Act. I actually have a little bit written down here. Uh, Where is it? Let me find this real quick. Uh, The Restrict Act, which is Bill S.686. It is uh, the Patriot Act on way more than steroids. It's the Patriot Act on meth, steroids, uh, angel dust, speed, with a lot of support from both sides of the aisle. For some reason, this bill that hasn't even been introduced or anything yet, but it's been kicking around, has a lot of support from both Republicans and Democrats. They can't seem to agree on fucking anything except for when it comes to what they're calling, what they started out calling the TikTok ban. But here's the thing. You really need to read up about this bill. Look up the Restrict Act because it's a lot more than just a TikTok ban. They're using, we're using that as a cover and it's part of this bigger fucking fight that they are, um, uh, you know, manufacturing in real time right now. They being pretty much all of the government, regardless of what fucking party, you know, the, the, the powers that be on the Republicans and the Democrats side, now not every single one, but It certainly seems like the majority are just falling in line on this Restrict Act, uh, which it would give uh, the uh, the chair of commerce the ability to ban any fucking website, any fucking post. More than that, this act, this bill S.686, would give the U.S. government full, unfettered access to monitor your every single device that connects to the internet if it contains material that comes from another country. And of course, every fucking device we have is made from materials that come from other fucking countries. We have chips and boards and everything uh, assembled in China. Chips and boards created from minerals mined in Africa and South America. All these things, your phone, your TV, your modem, your router, your computer, every fucking thing under this bill is up to be monitored. This is even, this is bigger than what uh, we already know the NSA had and has been doing, right? Um, so it doesn't stop there. It just keeps getting fucking worse. Um, 
if you are caught, it, it creates the the bill creates this sort of like list of what they consider adversarial countries. And this relates to this uh, growing alliance of other countries called the the BRICS countries, which is uh, Brazil, Russia, um, and some other countries. Mexico might be looking into it. Saudi Arabia and Iran might be joining into it. And it is sort of like an, an opposition to NATO. And NATO was originally created you know forget the forget the party line and everything nato was created as a thing to try to stop and completely squash the spread of socialism around the world okay that's nato's real core thing their unspoken goal is to crush <laughs> socialism uh, and protect capital, okay? BRICS is a growing thing that is, uh, yeah, a counterpoint to NATO. And uh, U.S. isn't taking it so kindly, okay? So this bill comes around along the same time that a similar bill just passed up in Canada, um, I fuck, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but basically Canada just passed a bill, uh, from, um, fuck, not Macron. What's his name? Justin Trudeau, uh, spearheaded this bill, uh, that is, an, it's an internet censorship bill. Okay. And anything deemed not Canadian enough or un-Canadian, is banned. It's just taken down. Your own posts, if it is deemed un-Canadian, can be cut out of the internet. There goes your, your speech. Now, America has a particularly novel idea with the First Amendment, with freedom of speech, which we don't, we know it's limited. There is not 100% full freedom of speech fucking anywhere. But um, speech in the United States, as with these book bans, uh, as with defunding of libraries, defunding of education, this all relates to speech, to first the very first fucking amendment, a right in this country, right, is being stripped away. And there is not shit you can really do about it. And that can be exhibited with this Restrict Act. And then there's another thing that's actually already in circulation, the Data Act. I actually... I'm already way longer in this episode than I intended to be, but uh, the Data Act, which is H.R. 1153, was is maybe working its way through the House of Representatives right now. And this is a thing that would give the executive office the power to just, you know, ban any fucking website, basically, is what it is. Um... And so going back to the Restrict Act, I mentioned that there was this list of adversarial countries and that it has something to do with the um, commerce, the chair of commerce. 
it creates and and uh, grows this this office and this function that we, the people, do not get to vote on. And there is no oversight. There is no check or balance for this proposed function with this proposed, you know, uh, new new thinking of this office, okay? Uh, and, and that's not good because they could at any moment just randomly add any new fucking country to the list of what the United States deems as adversarial to the United States, which we all know is just three corporations uh, stacked on top of each other in an overcoat. That's what the U.S. is. Um, now, the punishment you get if you violate the rules set forth in this uh, proposed restrict act are you can be what 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 are the charged with for no less than or no more than one million dollars? So basically, uh, say I bought a really nice piece of artwork from Russia a couple years ago. Uh, it's this artist based out of Russia. I, I got it on Etsy. Now, under the Restrict Act, any kind of trade, be it um, you know monetary, if you're buying something, or even just you know any transaction, and that also. The language in this bill is so broad that it could cover anything. So a transaction might literally just be the transaction or movement of electrons from one computer to another computer because I just want to visit this Russian-based artist's Etsy page. That means there's a transaction of electricity going across so my computer can log on to uh, you know look at their works and stuff. Okay, that's one transaction. And then I say I make another transaction to buy another piece of artwork because I like this artist's work, okay? If I got caught doing something like that under the Restrict Act, I could be fined, I think it's something like no less than $250,000, but no more than $1 million. And on top of that, I could be jailed for twenty. Years. These are the uh, repercussions of violating the rules set forth in this Restrict Act, Bill S.686. Fined for a million dollars and jailed for 20 fucking years just for example, using a VPN, which most companies use for you know security purposes. And this is all part of some bullshit that I feel like you should really know about and really think about why is this happening and why now? I don't want to run this episode any longer. Uh, actually, I think I'm going to get into what I'm going to get into in the bonus episode. Um, I don't know how this turned out. I don't know how this episode turned out. I should have gotten my ducks in a row a little bit more before I started, but here we are. You know, if you want to check out the bonus episode, go to patreon.com slash that thing with James. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for tuning in. If you even made it this far, 
I love you, and I'll catch you next time. I'll be sure to make a fun, happy, you know, light episode next time. <laughs> Bye.